In the episode of I Think Therefore I Fan you are about to listen to, we discussed the following works. Joker, Taxi Driver, The King of Comedy, Sweeney Todd, The Human Centipede, Heath Ledger's Joker, Batman, the Tim Burton version, Gladiator, Quills, Twister, Sharknado, Sharknado 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, through infinity, King Kong, Godzilla, Chernobyl, The Chernobyl Diaries, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Dracula, The Bad Seed, The Lost Skeleton of Cadavera, Psycho, The Grinch, The Muppets, White Zombie, Silence of the Lambs, Minority Report, Parks and Rec, Civil War, Winter Soldier, Wicked, Maleficent, The Three Little Pigs, El Camino, American Horror Story, 1984, It, Ready or Not, The Rocky Horror Picture Show, Clue, American Horror Story Freak Show, Happy Days, and Newhart. You've been warned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to I Think, Therefore I Fan, a pop culture and philosophy podcast. On this podcast, we'll explore the most compelling philosophical themes as we find them in all of everyone's favorite fandoms. We are your hosts. I'm Dr. Richard Green. And I'm Dr. Rachel Robison Green. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Welcome, everybody. Okay, Rach, what are we liking this week? Whoa, wait, wrong segment. We do that at the end. We do do that at the end. But is it the wrong segment? Because this week we're talking about... Joker. Joker. And, um, just coincidentally, Joker is what we are liking this oh, week. Oh my goodness, that was a great film. Yeah, so we went out a couple days ago and it raised a ton of philosophical issues. And so um, we're going to dive into quite a few of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and just at the outset, let me say, you know, we issue our spoiler warning at the beginning. You've, you've already heard that, that we talk about this. Um, but seriously, if you haven't seen it yet, um, pause the episode until you have and then come back and listen because there's going to be uh, more than the usual number of spoilers. And go see it right now. And go see it right now. And also, um, if you're listening, you've already downloaded it, so we don't care when you <laughs> when you listen to the rest of it. We, we already have your money. Um, and by your money, we don't get any money for this. But <laughs> if there were money, we, we would have it. So, yeah. So we're, we're going we're gonna, to, we want to be able to talk about Joker in more detail than we normally would. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a fair amount of controversy surrounding Joker, which is interesting. And so we'll address that first. And then we thought afterward it would be an interesting to do a kind of philosophical analysis of, analysis of what constitutes a villain. Because this film challenges that notion a little bit, I think. Yeah, certainly does. Okay, so what, what do we have on tap first? Well, so I think uh, some of the controversy surrounds... First of all, um, a lot of people take the film to be pretty disturbing. And of course, a dis- the fact that a film is disturbing is no reason not to make it. Um, right, right. But you've, you've seen a lot of critiques like that. So do you want to say... Yeah. And, mind? Yeah. And just, uh, I keep hearing this over and over. And as I was watching it, um, I was 
trying to figure out what people found disturbing about it, right? So there's um, a soundtrack that sort of has a kind of edginess to it. And um, we'll talk about this a little bit later. It, you know, it's to some extent an homage to um, some earlier Scorsese films, right? Lots of elements of Taxi Driver and, and a particularly nice um, homage to the, the King of Comedy. Um, and so, you know, this kind of stark imagery that's a, a little bit disturbing. And then there's some graphic stuff. Um, you know, um, when people get shot, there's a lot of blood and um, it's a little bit gory. And so that might all feed into the disturbing narrative. But you see that in lots of films. And, you know, and as far as the, the gore factor goes, um, you know, it's, it's not nearly as gory as the average um, horror film or slasher film. And you don't hear people saying that over and over, you know, that, that those are particularly disturbing yeah, movies. Yeah, because I think, I think graphic violence isn't sufficient for a movie to be disturbing. I mean, sometimes, I mean, like take Sweeney Todd or whatever. Yeah. Um, with J Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter. Like, there's lots of blood in that movie, but it's comical almost because of the way they're doing it. Right, and uh, it's considerably more graphic to, to some extent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so, you know, you, you think of something like The Human Centipede, and you know, and, and that's disturbing. Um, but I, I think I have a, a sense of it. Um, what's disturbing about this film is, is not what you see so much, or here, um, again, the, the soundtrack's a little edgy. Um, but rather, it's the, the stark portrayal of a kind of mental illness, right? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think people, to varying degrees, are seeing themselves in the, the Joker character, right? Or if they're not seeing themselves, they're at least seeing something to empathize with, a character to empathize with. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe it's more disturbing for people who are... who. who maybe can relate firsthand, but I don't know. I, f I found it, I don't relate to that, but I found it plenty disturbing on my own. It's disturbing that people can get that way, right? So it's, it's not that- Oh, that's not, that's not what disturbed me. What disturbed me was that society could treat people who get that way. Yeah, that's kind of what I meant. That, yeah, that, yeah. that the conditions are in place to- Oh, I see what you mean. To yeah, facilitate that. That it's that. possible for people to become that ill without being sufficiently well treated because we have a, yeah. the kind of healthcare system that- yeah, and then, and then when they get that way, what that results in is getting beat up on the way home from work and getting mm -hmm. beat up on the subway and yeah. getting beat up at work. A lot of yeah. getting beat up. We treat mental illness um, in film, especially when we're dealing with... The, it's just sort of a stipulation with a lot of our villains in um, pop culture that they're mentally ill. But we don't... It's like we don't want to really reflect on what that would mean. And I think that's what's really great about Joker, right? Is he's supposed to be, we sort of see it with Heath Ledger um, in his portrayal of the Joker, that he's supposed to be, uh, to have mental illness. Um, and yet still he, you don't see symptoms of that. He's like this master manipulator who can get, you know, he's supposed to be, what you get with Heath Ledger, he's kind of an agent of chaos, which is, Great, and you start to get that picture of the Joker that the Joker just wants to watch the world burn. Yeah. Um, but how would a person actually? What you don't see in previous portrayals and earlier portrayals of Joker is what would a person actually have to be like to end up like that? Um, I, I remember being very young and watching the Tim Burton Batman movie, and in that scene where Jack Nicholson is dancing and wearing the purple suit, and the and he's got uh, the big like Thanksgiving day style balloons and they're seeping out this green gas. Yeah, yeah. And I remember I was pretty young at the time and I'm I'm I remember thinking, you know, it's very stylized and fun, but 
it's like, wait, that gas is killing people? Mm-hmm. But they just kind of do shots of, of people, but it's not like, oh, these people are being poisoned to death and they're not characters that you care about. They haven't developed the characters. And so you're not thinking, oh, you're not really thinking the Joker's a mass murderer. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's interesting how the, the, it's just a very surface portrayal of, it's just a stipulation they're mentally ill. Yeah, uh, yeah. But what would that really look like? And then you get the get Joker here. Yeah, and um, in, in Joker, they they lay it all out in great detail. You mm-hmm. see exactly what the mechanics are and yeah. what society has to be like, what specific events need to occur, yeah, and and so forth. Um, just going back, you said you were very young watching the Tim Burton Batman. Um, I remember being very early middle age and seeing all those same things. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe middle middle age. <laughs> Uh, I, so maybe we can talk about another aspect of controversy. Um, well, there are two, I think there are two main features of controversy. One is that there, there, there is something very political about Joker, uh, the movie. I think I, no, Joker himself is not supposed to be political. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, what's interesting is that they make him the face of this movement that he isn't explicitly endorsing or, uh, you know, in his actions, his actions are not done with the intention to further this political goal. But he ends yeah. up being the face of it because he's the result of um, treating the poor in a particular kind of way, not providing health services, defunding health services for the poor, right, and right. so on. Um, you said the face of it, but it'd be like the, the painted over <laughs> yeah. the, the face of yeah. it. Yeah, and here's where some of the parallels with Taxi Driver come into play, right? So... In that movie, um, you've got this person that's sort of similarly mentally ill mm-hmm. and similarly detached, and um, he becomes a, a political assassin or a potential political assassin. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not political at all, right? Mm-hmm. He, just, he just sort of stands in for this mm-hmm. disenfranchised group of people. I mean, he's just trying yeah. to impress a girl that works on a political campaign, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I you know, it's it's interesting that these kind of rich poor dichotomies get, um, or cl- movies about class get portrayed as being, uh, or about class systems get portrayed as being overly political or something. When, um, you know, look, whatever. I, I I'm not really clear on what political persuasion you'd have to be in order to think that somebody who is severely mentally ill shouldn't be helped out. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that that society shouldn't provide medical resources to someone who just it's not a matter of not being able to pull themselves up from their bootstraps. They're too sick for that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. Right. don't have the resources on the one hand, but more importantly, don't have any of the other things. No, oh, what necessary. I meant by resources was mental resources. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like yeah. They're, they're poor, but more importantly, yeah, incapable of. of Getting the help, finding the help. Mm-hmm. So there's there's one great bit in in this movie where he's um, you know seeing a, a social worker on a regular basis, and that's where he gets his medication. And mm-hmm. um, the social um, programs get defunded, and she's mm-hmm. like, "Well, this is our last meeting, right?" And mm-hmm. he's like, "Where am I going to get my medication?" And just, her response is, "I'm, I'm sorry." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She she's losing yeah. her job, right? It's... Yeah. So it, it, that exact moment, he doesn't know what to do, doesn't know where to begin to figure out what to do. Um, you know, the, the, the place where you go is no longer available. Right. 
Um, so another aspect of controversy that I've seen in response to this movie is um, people being concerned that it's going to um, empower a certain kind of sensibility, that it's that there's some form of like glamorizing or glorifying joker movement right uh like all the people out on the street so it's it's um one thing that joker is the way he is because of all the factors that we just described but the same fact the same features the the crowds that are like showing up in 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 droves to participate in this movement they're not all mentally ill to the same degree that joker is in many cases it seems at least based on appearances in the movie they're just they're poor and they're sick of rich people exploiting them yeah and Um, and they're just easily riled up and and so they're riling they're getting riled up um to to violence they're um they're rioting they're setting cars on fire they're shooting people i mean here's this is a big spoiler but in joker it's not joker who shoots uh, um, Bruce Wayne's parents. It's, it's somebody wearing a Joker mask, mm-hmm. which I think is a really significant scene. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's Joker's the face of this movement, and it's the movement that's the villain almost. If if, but then again, we'll talk about this in a few minutes when we talk about what it takes to be a villain. But then you wonder which political movements should we think is being of as being villainous. Right, right, right. Yeah. You know, um, if you're a major corporation that's um, polluting groundwater and um, making people work in sweatshops and whatnot, uh, are you more or less villainous than people who want to rise up and stop that? Mm-hmm. Right. 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 Regardless of the means by which they they attempt to do it. And then I've seen even yet one more kind of critique along those lines, which is like that this kind of and I, I, I don't find this one quite as compelling, but um, that this is th- that this is maybe attractive to the kind of mentality that might engage in like a mass shooting or something like that. Yeah. So interestingly, um, I don't know if you have this in mind or if you've even seen these stories, but a lot of theater owners were worried about um, people coming into the theater while this is playing and shooting people, you know. Um, there was sort of legitimate concern, or people felt concerned. I don't know how mm-hmm. legitimate it was um, that that this might happen, such that a number of theaters um, wouldn't let people come into the theater in costume. Right. So, mm-hmm. as often as the case with these movies, you know, a new Star Wars comes out, and then suddenly you got a whole bunch of Wookies wanting to to watch yeah. the, the opening yeah, weekend. Yeah. And they were they had resolved in advance to turn away anybody dressed up like the Joker because they thought legitimately people would be motivated mm. to engage in Joker style shootings. Uh, so that's interesting for a number <clears throat> of reasons. I mean, so so the the other th- thing that I think is interesting about that though is that I wonder if there have any, been any real occasions where I mean, there, there, to me, it, it almost seems as if if you show up in costume for this, either you're that kind of person or you just profoundly don't get this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it, there's almost, uh, arguably almost something offensive about showing up dressed in jo- in, in Joker outfit um, in response to this movie. This isn't like dressing up like your favorite comic book p- character. This is a very human portrayal. It'd almost be like dressing up like somebody with a disability or something. Like yeah, yeah. There's something offensive about it. Yeah, right. And, you know, the, the Joker, um, the Joker, Joker is portrayed sympathetically, mm-hmm. um, but not because he's somebody you'd want to emulate, right? It's because 
there's something human about the the extent to which he's tragic or the mm-hmm. extent to which he's suffering. Mm-hmm. And so the the people that are just donning the the same look in the movie and then now looting and shooting and mm-hmm. throwing Molotov cocktails and so forth are not presented sympathetically, right? Mm-hmm. These are the sheeple that they, you know, invariably get something wrong. Um, but yeah, but there will be a lot of people that think, oh, that's cool, right? It's, it's consistent mm-hmm. with their libertarian anarchist sensibilities or something. Or they're like punk rock anarchist. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you, you have to literally miss the boat yeah. on this to... To dress up. To adopt that, yeah. I mean, I'm sure people will do it for Comic-Con, but I mean to like show up to the movie. Like, I wouldn't want to show up to the movie as much like that character. I mean, it's hard enough to watch that character not as that character. But if you're if you're saying, I'm going to try to relate to this person as much as possible by dressing like him and looking like him, it's like, whoa, I don't know that I want to go that deep because <laughs> taking on that character's perspective wouldn't be that pleasant. Mm-hmm. All right. The most disturbing thing I think about the movie, um, you're going to disagree with this, is they, they had a person with dwarfism in the movie, and they did a bunch of psych gags. <laughs> this is this is sort of on the, the filmmakers. They he, he couldn't reach up to unlock the top lock of a door, and they played that for last. That was really weird, and it was it was out of the context of the rest oh, of the film. I, yeah, um, I thought it was like a great bit of dark comedy that whole scene because that's not the only thing that's going on in that scene. I mean, he's trying to get out of the room because Joker had just like stabbed his friend in the aorta yeah, or whatever yeah. and there's blood everywhere and the guy's just trying to get out of the room uh yeah so, but then he's, but he like, can't. he's trapped by his own height he's stretching uh, yeah. and a little help and then you know, yeah. you know joker's like all right all right, yeah, right open the thing all right that wasn't maybe the most disturbing thing in the movie but i i thought it was it was very odd i thought the most disturbing thing in the movie was when he went to go do a stand-up like i thought i thought that the that even the, the killing the violence none of that it was as disturbing as no one being there to tell him he shouldn't do the stand-up or being in front of an audience that was just gonna where there was no human empathy in the room to realize that something unusual right. was going on here we we can't relate to that at this exact moment but i i think i can sort of intellectualize it and say there's nothing worse than being in front of a microphone and being bad. Stop. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> just, just kidding. We're doing fine. Um, yeah, that, that was an amazing scene. Yeah. I, oh, I could barely, like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I kind of had my hands over my face during that scene. And I was looking through the holes between my fingers. Because yeah. I, I was just so... Felt it was such an empathetic experience. Like, hmm, this poor guy. So I think in response to this claim that this might incite violence or rebellion or whatever, and that as a result, I mean, some people are actually saying it's socially irresponsible. And I just, I, I don't think so. I mean, I think that there have been too many other movies that are just like this. Um, and I think, you know, so it serves this social purpose of getting people to, to reflect on what might potentially make a bad guy, you know, yeah. that, that maybe um, the kinds of people that we tend to call villains are the, are, would really, if, if you were given a complete behavioral profile, a complete kind of life story would be the better subjects, of, better subjects of empathy than 
like moral indignation, right? So, uh, so that that's an important lesson, I think, an interesting thing to reflect on, at least. Um, but also, like these kinds of mass violence, you know, mass shootings and and violent events and stuff like this are very rare. And the motivations are going to be unusual. Sometimes the motivations will be some element of pop culture they they saw. Uh, more often, there'll be something else. Right, um, revenge or some frustration with their general circumstance. Yeah, so. right. That it, and and almost never, I think, is it going to be this this person decided to engage in a violent act because of a movie and only mm-hmm. because of a movie. I mean, maybe there's kind of like a meta lesson there too, is that like the real problem is not the movie. The real problem is something like access to mental health services or, um, right. There's also a flip side too, right? So, um, this movie, you know, it's a, um, you know, comic book style movie, kind of, kind of not, um, but it does shine a very serious light on some real problems. Right. And, Putting that sort of information out there is is more apt to have the effect of having people think, oh, we, we should spend more money on social programs. programs and safety nets and get people real help. And Yeah, so you can't just say like, oh, guns don't kill people, people kill people, and then proceed to do absolutely nothing about, right? right. Uh, continue to support... Um, institutions or candidates or whatever that won't do anything about mental health care. Well, that's not really, if, if you think the, the issue is mental health, then maybe yeah. do something to do. You, with the you might be motivated. Health. Yeah. So I, so I, I anticipate this movie having a positive effect as do all Joaquin Phoenix films, right? Um, yeah, her made people nervous about AI. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and all of that. We don't have gladiators anymore because mm-hmm. of gladiator. Um, we all learned our lesson about S and M from, Quills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so I, next, we were thinking we'd have a discussion about sort of the necessary and sufficient conditions uh, for being a villain, if such a thing can be offered, such a set. Uh, I Maybe there is no set, but we always talk about it. Mm-hmm. So what makes a character a villain? Uh, one question to ask, one way of approaching this question is, uh, it might be necessary that they're the kinds of beings that are morally responsible for their actions, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, and I think, again, Joker raises some concerns here in this respect. But, uh, so think about the, the, the sort of antagonist of whatever type in a movie. Uh, think about, we've, we identified before starting to record a couple different categories. So there are monster movies, mm-hmm. right? Um there are uh, uh, natural disaster movies. Yeah, I was thinking like, you know, person versus nature kinds of things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Twister and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are... Oh, don't, don't say Twister without saying Sharknado. <laughs> Sharknado 2, 3, and 4, 5, 6, 7, <laughs> up to Sharknado Infinity. <laughs> All the, yeah, lots of classic films. King Kong, mm-hmm. um, Godzilla... Yeah, right. yeah. So, um, uh, but then there are, uh, you know, questions or cases that might start to move a little bit in the other direction, depending on the plot points. Um, zombie films, right? Uh, yeah. So let's make some calls here. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, natural disasters. You wouldn't say a tornado is a villain a or a sharknado. Clearly not a villain. Um, King Kong. 
Yeah. It's a tougher case because in the, the original King Kong, they're giving him sort of a lot of intelligence. But let's, let's, let's move to a different case. Um, so in that um, movie about Chernobyl, was it the Chernobyl Diaries, I think, right? There's like a bear running around. Um, Not to be confused with the really good HBO show, right, Chernobyl. Right. But yeah. Chernobyl Diaries, a really crappy and, In fact, movie. don't confuse it with anything really good. <laughs> and don't confuse it with something you should see. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, anyway, so they get this radioactive bear running around that's it's a bit of a threat for a while, right? Um, nobody thinks that's a villain any more than, than the tornado and Twister. Right. And, and it might be because... Of be, villainhood requires, um, perhaps, perhaps is one model. Villainhood requires moral status, or not just moral status, but um, moral agency. Mm-hmm. So the ability to make autonomous choices, the ability to reflect on reasons, and then uh, turning around and then making the wrong choices, acting for nefarious reasons, having bad motivations, or something like that. Okay, so so what did you want to say about zombies, right? I mean, people. Mm-hmm. Do you think, I mean, so I think the thing to say here is that they're not moral agents in that way. And, mm-hmm. um, it depends pretty, on the story because you start to see some intelligence with some of them sometimes. But at that, at, on the, in those moments where they start exhibiting intelligence, then they're a little more villainy. Right, right. Um, okay, a typical zombie, not, not right. a villain. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if, if you said to just a layperson... Um, Oh, go see Night of the Living Dead or Dawn of the Dead. Um, and tell me if you think that the zombies are villains. Mm-hmm. So I'm agreeing with what you're saying, but I wonder if if it, it's murkier than that for many people. Oh, probably. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, the exact way that we framed this right after seeing Joker... Um, that's going to be exactly the time where you'd be more precise with your terms because you're yeah. thinking about the nature of um, moral responsibility. And by extension, um, some people would, would call King Kong a villain. Yeah, but I think they would just be very... Kind of wrong to do so. Yeah. Mistaken, not not making fine discrimination. Just maybe distinguishing the protagonist from the antagonist or something. All right. Now, now by contrast, people would be more inclined to say that Dracula... As a villain than a zombie. Yeah, I was. This is com- got that agency, but I'm, I almost want to tie this into what's coming up. Um, Dracula is compelled in mm-hmm. in certain ways, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, I think. Oh, how are you going to blame a being for thirsting after human blood when they're <laughs> cursed to thirst after human yeah, blood? Literally damned. There's, evil courses through their veins yeah. where once was human blood. Yeah, depending on the story, and um, right. Uh, we kind of that's I don't want to go too too much detail with the Dracula stuff because we kind of did that in a Halloween episode a, a couple of years ago I think but um, but it is a similar kind of question mm-hmm. yeah um, so I mean if if mitigating factors to being a villain to to understanding a character as a villain would be the extent to which they're capable of moral agency then. To the extent that, you know, they, they have something that prevents them from being fully autonomous. Mm-hmm. That should make a difference. And I, so I think I think here with, with this villain or with this Joker storyline and the mental illness at play, I don't know if it's appropriate to call Joker a villain. Right. I mean, I, um, I think that's the line they're pushing in the, 
the yeah. film, right? Yeah. This guy's that mentally ill. He's, he's... Uh, the bad things he does, he does when he's unmedicated. And, uh, you know, um, I, w- I would think that it would be the kind of case. So obviously the, the legal standard for whether you count as uh, um, legally insane is whether you can understand the difference between right and wrong at the time when you perform the action. Um, but notoriously, I was just listening to a podcast earlier about um, a serial killer who was schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the courts, the jury, the, he was deemed fit, competent to stand trial. And then he was found guilty when he's just clearly as schizophrenic as can be. I mean, you know, so our standards of what, um, of what counts as sane from a legal perspective, I think are really messed up. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know wh- I don't know why we all agreed that that was a reasonable standard. Right. Um, right. Because that, like, like um, the, 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 the awareness that you ought to run away if cops come is often taken as like, oh, that's sufficient for knowing the difference between right and wrong. If you, you would have just kind of stood there or something. Right. If you, I mean, it's way more complicated than that. Right, big um, scary guys with guns wearing matching <laughs> jumpsuits are running towards you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> why wouldn't you run? Yeah, so I think, I bet you in our current legal system, regardless of the clear mental illness in play here, um, uh, Joker would be found guilty and, mm-hmm. and uh, of a crime and rather being uh, and multiple crimes really and rather be than being sent to Arkham Asylum he would be just executed or something yeah put in Rikers and then eventually put to death yeah so uh, so that's I mean so I think uh, I mean for, for for the same reason too we don't um, hold young people morally responsible for their actions because they're not fully autonomous and I was thinking about the case of like the bad seed Mm-hmm. Uh, where our intuitions maybe go in a different direction. Uh, but the bad seed, so the bad seed is really evil. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I'm not inclined to say when I watch the bad seed, oh, it's just a kid. I'm willing to attribute full evil mm-hmm. to that kid. Yeah, it's almost by stipulation, right? But she's, um, yeah. and you know, and she's not old enough to be tried as an adult, but what is she in the movie? Probably like 12 or yeah, 13 Yeah, that's or what I would say. Old enough to, to know better and then act on it. Yeah, a, a nice contrast um, between the, the sort of two phenomena we're talking about um, occurs also in The Lost Skeleton of Cadabra, right? On the one hand, you have the, the skeleton, um, which, don't laugh, this, this, is, this is maybe the most important movie of my life. Um, that or Joker. Um, and the, the skeleton's evil, right? It's pure, nefarious evil. On the other hand, the mutant... You know, has has like the mind of the radioactive bear in the Chernobyl diaries. Right? Uh-huh. I mean, it's the mutant that's out killing things. And yet it's uh, less of a villain yeah. than a skeleton. And, yeah. and then you actually end up kind of liking the mutant, right? The, um, the ingenue charms him and he, mm-hmm. he just wanted someone to be nice to him the whole time and you should check out that movie uh, it's a pretty fun pretty fun to watch during the halloween season and not at all scary it's just a fun <laughs> a fun classic horror comedy kind of thing and in fact I'm, I'm now thinking we should have um you know pretty harmless halloween movie night where we watch the lost skeleton of cadaver um along with the bad seed which i, I have on dvd although i don't <laughs> think we have a dvd player there's seat is disturbing enough yeah okay so um joker not a villain by your lights because he 
he lacks a certain. I, I don't know. I'm still figuring it out. I, I, I don't. I'm just offering some models of ways of viewing this. I, I don't know. I, I wonder if there really is one right answer. Mm-hmm. Um, um, let me, let me give you a different case then. Um, is Norman Bates pretty clearly not a villain? Um, I mean, I think, I think if you're talking about what just person on the street would say, I think they would say, of course he's a villain, mm-hmm. but I think, but they think any person that does bad things is, um, which might be an appropriate model. I don't know. That's why I think that there's, mm-hmm. there's a couple of options here. They might be right about that, but it does. So maybe that's, that that's an indication that moral responsibility and villainy don't have to go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if the person that reports Norman Bates as a, as a villain uh, is right, then, then maybe moral, moral autonomy, moral uh, responsibility isn't a precondition for being a villain. Right. Okay. Let's, let's assume that the Joker and Norman Bates are not villains mm-hmm. in virtue of their diminished capacity, mm-hmm. um, their, their mental illness. Does it only, on this account, would it, would it just be mental illness that could sort of get one off the, the hook where they, they do bad things, they do villainous things, but they're not a villain? Uh, so I'm wondering about a particular case. Okay. Um, the Grinch. <laughs> now, he didn't have mental illness, but his his heart was... was three it, sizes too three small. Three sizes too yeah, small. Yeah, I think that gets him off the hook. Okay. So yeah. little, not enough blood being pumped through and... <laughs> So we've got Norman Bates, Joker, and the Grinch. Off the hook. All, all in the Exonerated. same category. <laughs> yeah, and only one of those guys um, isn't partially green. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which makes me wonder about Kermit the Frog, but well, that's for another episode. <laughs> so, I mean, another model is um, that... Oh, oh, actually, before we, before we turn to that, you were asking if that's... The only factor, and then of course the heart being three sizes too small. But I mean, there are other kinds of um, mitigating factors, like coercion, for example. Mm-hmm. Like right. when we learn in a film that, like, oh, that the, we we assumed this character was the bad guy, but they were in fact, you know, had a bomb strapped strapped to them the whole time, and they were being coerced or manipulated, forced essentially to do what they were doing. And then we then we conclude. Even though the consequences of their actions were bad, the real villain is the person who strapped the bomb to their body. Right. Or, there, there were all those great movies of my childhood that involved either voodoo or hypnosis, right? Mm-hmm. White zombie type things. Where right. Mad scientists would find ways of controlling people, right? You've been hypnotized and given a suggestion, you know, go out and commit a horrible crime and uh-huh. and so right. forth. And then, yeah, then they snap out of it and. As soon as they're agents again, they're like, oh, yeah, no, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. I don't... Right. Uh, so, the, you know, the, another model of looking about at this is that villains are beings who do bad things. And someone might offer that as a sufficient condition. Mm-hmm. Do really bad things, because everybody does some bad things. Um, yeah, most of you. So if you're, <laughs> if you're a la the regular, or the original, uh, or not the original Batman, but the Tim Burton Batman, if you're poisoning mass groups of people by gassing them in a parade, during a parade, okay, you're a villain. You're, mm-hmm. you're doing really bad things, regardless of what else is true about you. But I think that the other factors we've considered make a compelling case that this is the wrong model. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it seemed like um, in the Tim Burton Batman, the Joker... Um, wasn't 
mentally ill. He he was just sort of a bad guy who was wronged. Yeah. Right? He yeah. got some acid on his right. face. And... But Joker's just sort of supposed to be by stipulation mentally ill, I think. Mm-hmm. Or at least he's supposed to be like this Asian of chaos that wants to watch the world burn and it doesn't, yeah. you know. Can um, laugh while it's happening. Yeah. Yeah, the, the laughing in, in Joker was great too, right? Mm-hmm. They actually give an account of that. He's got this weird laugh. He has a mental condition. That, yeah, that, that he's given people a card saying, don't mind my laughing. I can't. I have a condition. But then what was really interesting. It's not indicative of what I'm feeling at the moment. There was that point in the film where he said, uh, my laugh, that isn't caused by an illness. That's me. Uh-huh. Um, and it was like, is he just saying that because of mental illness? Because he really does genuinely seem to not be able to control it throughout right, the film. Right, it's a Tourette's kind of thing. And then, it, it, I mean, it almost kind of... St- he he's strangled by his own laugh sometimes. He's coughing. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it might affect his breathing. Uh, yeah. Um, right. So uh, I mean, so then an, another thing. So I don't think that bad actions are sufficient for villainy. Uh, but I also wonder if they're necessary. They're probably necessary. But I go ahead. Oh well, I was thinking when we talked about this before. Um, I was thinking about like the case of someone like Hannibal Lecter, right? Who did villainous mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. Um, but he was locked up for a very long period of time, mm-hmm. um, and yet I still think he was a villain because, if given the opportunity, he would do villainous things, and and it gets bore out in the movie, right? He um, gets the one guy in the cell next to him to commit suicide because he finds him distasteful and yeah. offensive, and then when he has a chance to escape, he, he kills guards. Face and, off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I'm I'm sort of inclined to think he's a villain the whole time, even if if he had never done anything bad before, right? Suppose mm-hmm. um, you got some minority report kind of, you know, hypothesis where they they arrest him, knowing in advance that he's going to commit crimes, so he never gets right. to, right? But but he's this way, right? There's... Just has a particular kind of character. Uh, but then again, I wonder if that if you constitute if you. You count as a villain only if, not only, it, it's not enough to have a particular kind of character. It also has to be the case that you, in some sense, have control over the way your character develops. Right. right. Because if it's just sufficient to have a particular kind of character, then um, uh, that, that might be an affliction just like anything else. Like, oh, crap, I found myself with a lousy character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so we're now considering the possibility that there's somebody who's never done anything bad that's a villain, and some people, like Joker, who do really bad things aren't villains. Um, it's a cluster. This is, this is why people <laughs> hate philosophers. <laughs> really, I'm taking these models, like three models, uh, almost a deontological model, where villainy requires personhood essentially um and uh requires you to be a moral agent with full autonomy that's not being coerced by other factors a consequentialist kind of picture where um villainy just requires bad actions and then there's this kind of virtue theoretic position that you were sort of Mm -hmm. articulating that oh it's about character Mm -hmm. and that whether you do bad things or not you're just this kind of person yeah yeah. Um, it's the vampire model, right? By stipulation, you're, mm-hmm. you're damned or some such. But then it may also be the case that um, whether you're a villain, although I, I think this one's l- maybe the least plausible, you're a villain by stipulation. Um, this, uh, so I'm about to provide an example that will just um, cut against my own point here. But like um, Jerry on Parks and Rec, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> 
he's a bad guy. Just, I mean, I think the, the joke is every you're, he's the most lovable guy on the show, or, or one of them. One of them. So it's yeah. like, of course he's not a villain, but it's stipulated. But there mm-hmm. might be other, you know, um, uh, other elements of pop culture where where the the villainy of a character is just stipulated, and you don't actually see them doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. But maybe in all cases, you're supposed to believe that they would. Right, right, um, right. The wrong, bad, bad acts is necessary for are necessary for villainy. Yeah, I mean, so you can imagine that you know a, a scenario where somebody plots, you know, schemes to do bad thing, just doesn't work out. Right, the, mm-hmm. the train doesn't arrive that day to take him to the bank. Yeah. Plots another one. Plots another one. Plots another one. Um, and I could see it going either way, where you say, "Well, they're trying to do this bad stuff there, Phil." And mm-hmm. on the other hand, they never actually do mm-hmm. anything bad. Yeah. So. Yeah. Another model of looking at who a villain is is just whoever's pitted against the protagonist, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, that's kind of a Jerry thing. But on the other hand, I mean, like, take oh, not to talk about Marvel too much on this podcast, but take like Bucky. Mm-hmm. Um, from the Captain America storylines. Um, on some level, I mean, he, I think you're encouraged to think of him as, as a villain mm-hmm. um, in Civil War and whatnot. Um, right, and then he's considerably more sympathetic in other things, you know, Winter Soldier. And, and he's, well, because he's not being that. brainwashed. I mean, I guess that's just the other point. Mm-hmm. Well, Joker does this nicely, right? I mean, you you sympathize and empathize um, with Joker mm-hmm. in this because the whole thing's presented from his point of view, right? You're mm-hmm. just, you're seeing him as a victim the whole time, and and then when he shoots Robert De Niro, you, you kind of think um, that's not exactly just. But De Niro is an asshole, right? I mean, the you know the the things that the Joker does are considerably worse than the things that that the talk show host mm-hmm. does in the movie, but you're, you're never given that perspective, you know, um, that, you know, you don't see things from De Niro's point of view. So he's just basically an asshole who's using his TV show to pick on yeah. someone who's, you know, clearly mentally ill, right? At yeah. least from the audience's point of view. And I wonder if even, I mean, I... I don't know. So I don't advocate either of those these two things. But I actually wonder if you live your whole life humiliating and belittling and degrading people, um, whether you know over the course of decades of a human life, if that's, I don't know that that's not worse than a single act of violence. Yeah. Right. Right. So um, unless the person's Jerry on Parks and Rec, and, <laughs> or Terry, or Larry. Larry, whatever his name happens to be at the time. He was asking for it. <laughs> that guy is an asshole. Uh, so, yeah, just one other thing along these lines. Um, I was sort of thinking about the, the novel um, Wicked. And so, you know, it's from the point of view of um, the Wicked Witch of the East, right? Mm-hmm. And she's not wicked at all, but she sees that, that people view her as wicked. So she adopts this sort of persona. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, that's what you think I am, then that's what I am. But it doesn't really change her at all, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you just get this take on her, right? Mm-hmm. But at every turn, there's some sort of, you know, um, motivation for her behavior. I mean, in a lot of ways, um, you know, she's like a, a sort of rebel for a certain mm-hmm. group of people or a, 
Yeah. You know, a, a freedom fighter. She's she's taking up a good cause. Yeah. Um, but everybody views her as a terrorist. It's the old euphemism, you know, one person's terrorist is another person's freedom fighter and yeah and vice and it, versa. It, the, you see a lot of movies like that recently i mean we've we've had episodes of this uh this podcast about the the marvel um villains but you you see all the time like any more stories being told from the villains perspective perspective like maleficent just came out um i remember when i was a kid we had i, I had this book that i loved that was the three little pigs story told from the wolf's perspective and all those kinds of things do serve to like encourage empathy and even forgiveness and compassion, mm -hmm. right? Um, because when you take on the perspective of a different character, different people are potentially the villains. Right, right, right. Okay, so let's um, pick up one more topic before we wrap up this episode. Um, since we're not really doing the what are we liking this week, or rather since the entire episode is a, what we're liking, mm -hmm. there's some other stuff that, that we'll talk about next week on what we're liking too. I want to talk about El Camino and um, the new season of American Horror Story, which maybe doesn't fall in the category of things I'm exactly liking. <laughs> um, but um, I thought it'd be fun to, to talk about um, infamous evil, I'm putting evil in scare quotes, um, clowns from pop culture that we like, right? So, um, the the Joker, the Joker, Joker is maybe my favorite of these, mm -hmm. um, but he's not fun in the way that they normally are, right? It's it's a it's a different product here. Is it, mm -hmm. So my favorite because it's maybe my favorite movie, you know, that I've seen in I don't know how long. Certainly the best movie since Ready or Not, um, which mm -hmm. we, we've talked about. Um, but some of them, on a kind of lighter note, um, are a lot of fun, yeah. right? Um, so we recently um, saw the, the new installment of it. Um, Pennywise is great, although, um, is this fair to say we, we both prefer Tim Burton's Pennywise? Tim Curry. Or Tim Burton. We've been talking about Tim Burton too much. Um, yeah, Tim Curry's Pennywise yeah. to the... Yeah, well, you know, um, I think... <laughs> It's not as if you could, if, if you're going to remake it, which I don't think is a bad idea. I mean, the the original was only like a made-for-TV movie, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. It deserves its own feature film. Yeah, no. Time. And you just couldn't. And it's great. You couldn't. It, it, it would be weird to just try to replicate, just try to have Tim Curry's performance done by someone else. I, and I feel like they don't even try. Um, I, I, feel, I feel like they're doing a... 2018 2019 it with the kind of um clown that you would cast then uh so i mean while i i guess i want to say well i really like um tim curry's pennywise and I, yeah I, I do prefer it um it's not like something that i view as a deficiency in this series of films right uh it's just that they would be silly to try to do that again right but but by contrast right joker um you know, Heath Ledger's Joker was amazing, and I thought mm -hmm. there will never be a better one. Mm -hmm. And then we get Joaquin Phoenix's, right? And so, um, you know, when the when the new one's better than the earlier one, it's it's noteworthy. And that's right, uh, that's right. But it, yeah, that's right. Uh, I just, I just, there, there was some sort of weird, almost creepy child molester, like not exactly, but thing going on with Tim Curry. Yeah, it was like a. Pr a product of that time that and I just think that you 
you wouldn't be able to reproduce. When did that come out in the 80s, I think? Mm -hmm. uh, you just wouldn't be able to reproduce it. Probably couldn't make the Rocky Horror Picture Show now either, right? Yeah. Oh, I don't mean couldn't. Well, maybe any Tim Curry role. He's just such a unique guy that... Yeah. They're remaking Clue, which I'm completely baffled mm -hmm. by. Um, okay, so what, what's your what's your favorite of the, the evil clowns? No, probably Pennywise. But uh, other good ones, I like Twisty from American Horror Story. I like Twisty more than Pennywise, but I like Pennywise a lot. Okay. Yeah, Twisty Twisty's pretty fantastic. Um, Mr. Jingles, not quite a clown. From the new American Horror Story. Right, same, same actor who plays Yeah, Twisty. he's he's not a clown. He's, yeah. Um, kind of a clown. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. I've been thinking they're doing a, a clown thing the whole time with, with he's that He's just character. a guy that used to work at the summer camp. Yeah. But he's played by the same guy that played... <laughs> Maybe what's, that's what's giving you that vibe. It, it looks like a like a clown. Um, but then I thought, uh, well, so then, then there's like, nobody should claim to like this trope, but there's like John Wayne Gacy was the real right. life killer the clown, the serial killer. The inspiration and, for... And so he's inspiring. So you see that a lot in horror films, a John Wayne Gacy character will pop mm -hmm. up, which is always creepy. Right. Uh, Buffalo Bob and Silence of the Lambs. Buffalo Bill. Is, or Buffalo Bill. Yeah. yeah. Buffalo Bob is in the Old West show. Um, <laughs> right. Um... Yeah, also he was on um, an episode of Happy Days, right, um, that, that featured um, Howdy Doody. It wasn't necessarily the same episode. Howdy Doody, an evil clown? It's just a puppet, right? Ventriloquist thing. Yeah, I don't know who Howdy Doody is. Oh, it's this <laughs> awful thing. Okay, well, then I'll, I'll go with something that... Um, Clarabelle, Bozo, right? Some of the clowns from my childhood. Um, Crickets. Crickets, Yeah. <laughs> All of them evil. I mean, there's a reason why people are, you know, afraid of clowns. Right? Um, you don't have to be going around with a, you know, machete and hacking people up. If you're dressed like a clown, you're the problem. You're evil. But you're Joker is not scary because he's a clown. He's the sad clown. Yeah. The tragic clown. The tragic clown. Now I'm reminded of that um, episode of, of Newhart um, from the 1980s where Newhart's wife... Um, Kept writing poems about how clowns cry the saddest tears of all. That seems like a good place to stop. Yeah, they do. It's terrible. Okay, Rach, that's a wrap. Another episode is in the can, and once again, everything has come up Charbonneau. Please visit our webpage, that's I think ifan.com, all one word, to find out about upcoming episodes. If you would like to support I Think Therefore I Fan, please go to the webpage, click on the link at the top of the page that says Donate, and follow the instructions. As always, your support is greatly appreciated. Finally, if you enjoy this podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating. It helps. See you next time.